Welcome to Fresh from the Field Fridays by the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on supply trends, category updates, brand awareness, and what's hot in the market. Join us each week from San Francisco Bay, California, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Dan, the Produce Man. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh from the Field Fridays on this lovely, lovely Friday here in the San Francisco Bay. Hey, the Friday before Christmas weekend, and I hope everybody has a good one out there. Folks, today's Fresh from the Field Fridays is brought to you by the Produce Industry Podcast and sponsored by Buck Naked Onions, Equifruit, the only banana you should buy. Sunrays snack with impact. Yes, folks, Dan the Produce Man here. It's a lovely day, like I said, here in the San Francisco Bay. And we are ta- we, we've just had some crazy rains here in the area. And so that must mean that we're going to get a lot of uh, chanterelle guys coming into the stores and the restaurants looking to peddle off the mushrooms that they've foraged. But today we're going to talk about something else. We have Mandy Quark with us. She is a molecular mycologist, and Mandy is with Mycena LLC, a small business created to explore the genetic intricacies of fungi. Mandy, welcome to Fresh from the Field Fridays. Thank you so much for having me. It was great meeting you this weekend. Yes, we met at the uh, Fungus Festival and started talking about some of the things that you're getting into. But before we get into that, tell us what does a molecular mycologist do? What is a molecular mycologist (laughs) for the folks out there? Yeah, so I started off as just a regular run-of-the-mill molecular biologist. And then I decided that I was going to kind of foray, if you will, into mushrooms. So what we do in molecular biology or specifically molecular mycology is we look at the DNA of mushrooms. So typically I do wild mushrooms. So collect these rare underdocumented mushrooms in the wild and, you know, interrogate their genomes and try to find out what they are, get them to species to try to track the diversity of fungi on earth. Okay. So what does that do? What are some of the goals and aspirations of this information? Yes. So we, if we don't know what is out there in the environment, then there's no way to protect it. So ultimately, my work would, you know, with the main goal of leading to uncovering Earth's hidden treasures in order to have legislation and forward movement in order to protect these things that many of which are unknown. And even though we don't know what they are, they're endangered or very vulnerable to anthropogenic pressures put on them by humans. What are some of the benefits of that mushrooms have just to the earth, to the forest, to wherever they grow in the wild? What benefit do they have? Or is this something that you're finding out? Because I, I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, that mushrooms have this underground network connecting themselves to each other. Is that just in specific species or varieties? Or is it uh, all, all mushrooms interconnected? Uh, or is that even true? That's a great... That's 
that's a lot of questions in one, but it's a really <laughs> yeah, great, uh, yeah, it's a really great, you know, way of thinking about it. I would say that some mycelium of mushrooms is underground. And what mycelium is, is it's the vegetative state of the fungus. So when you see a mushroom fruit above ground, that is the part of its life cycle where it is actually going to release spores out into the environment, which is the, the sexual part of its life cycle. So yeah, but most of the time, the parts of the mushrooms or fungi in general, it's it's really more accurate to say fungi. Part of the the fungal life cycle that is underground is the main part. And so yeah, there is, it's kind of hotly debated. Some people call it the wood wide web underground, but I think it's much more <laughs> complex than that. I think it's much more nuanced and complex than just a wood wide web because there's all sorts of interactions going on between the mushrooms and they're not actually connected to each other all the time. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're connected to the trees. Sometimes they're living symbiotically with bacteria in the soil. And sometimes they are eating the bugs that are underground. You just, really? Yeah. Eating the bugs, huh? Yes. Those are entomopathogenic fungi, like wow. cordyceps, for instance. Yeah. Okay. So they actually, insects, the number one killer of insects is fungi. So if you, if you didn't have fungi, you'd probably have a lot more insect population problems. You know, your soil would not be getting turned over and none of your trees would be degraded. So the forest would look like much, a much different place. Wow. So maybe when we're eating some wild mushrooms, we're also eating bugs or not really bugs, I guess, digested bugs. I mean, how do, how do they absorb them and then they just become part of the mushroom? Kind of like a fig does with a little fig wasp. Or how does that work? <laughs> that's a oh, that's a really good parallel. Yeah. So like typically those those entomopathogenic fungi. See, everyone's this is actually my area of interest. But typically with those, you don't necessarily eat them. You can eat them. Some of them are edible. But, you know, there's much more to mushrooms than just edibility. So I constantly, constantly get asked the question, is this edible when I post a mushroom online? And mm. as a mycologist, I see that as very myopic perspective because just asking if something is edible kind of puts it in the context of humans and it takes it out of the context of its own, you know, unique role and niche in an ecosystem. So these mushrooms, yes, they are valuable to humans. I mean, when you're right. asking a big question about the forest and, you know, what what is mushrooms role in the ecosystems of Earth? It's like really what you're asked, what you should better be asking is what don't fungi do for the betterment ah, of Earth? Okay. You know. Well, so people go visit the forest, all right? The average person goes to the forest for a day. And what's on their mind is trees and birds and animals and things that live in the forest. They never really, I mean, most people don't really think about what's going on underneath the ground underneath all the pine needles or uh, underneath the moss or the or whatever it is so when you say th that this is part of the forest this is part of what makes all that happen it's fascinating i fully agree with you 
<laughs> yes, of course. That's why I got into this this job because they're really ubiquitous. They're everywhere. We just don't necessarily see them. And you know, we don't see the air that we breathe either, but that doesn't mean it's not ubiquitous. That's true. And you know, I got to just on a side note, my youngest son, and I only watched two of these cuz it was really scary and I don't get scared that easy. He turned me on to this science fiction show. We watched two episodes where I think something happened and the earth is you know, went through nuclear war or whatever. I don't know, something of that nature. Anyway, these people are turning into these mushroom heads and there was all this little terminology in there that like they say, well, the, the, the mycology of this and that. And I told my son, well, that's, you know, that's study of mushrooms. He goes, oh, okay. That's why they use that. But have you heard of this program? These, these, these people get, I don't know, somehow they get this fungus in them. And yeah. their heads become these crazy mushroom killer people. Yes, it was one of the most popular shows of the oh, year, right? Okay, I didn't know. I, I saw two of them and I said, holy smoke, this is trippy. Yeah, it was called The Last of Us. Okay, I'll have to finish it up, then I'll have to finish those. But it was all kinds of, so they did their research. They uh, They should be calling people like you when they make something like that, huh? Yeah, so it's funny. I watched it and, you know, when, when you know something really well, you know, like I, I bet when Neil deGrasse Tyson watches one of those space movies, it's like he's probably like cringe. So there was a couple cringe parts, but ultimately for me, it's really amazing just to get the public kind of even if it is through a zombie movie uh, introduced to the concept of ophiocordyceps which is an entomopathogen pathogen that i mentioned so yeah typically they're not edible mushrooms and it's just a real side note for this podcast but i was extremely extremely happy that something like ophiocordyceps came into the public consciousness on that grand of a scale well there, there's so many other benefits like you mentioned not just to yes like you said, to the planet, to the forest, but to humans as well in all kinds of medicinal and health benefits of mushrooms from cognition to energy. Selenium is one that's really good for men. So what is that part of your study as well or, or your project? Or is it mainly just being able to protect all mushrooms because, you know, poison mushrooms and, and non-poison mushrooms? Because poison mushrooms, I guess, are only poison to us. That's to right. That's right. Yeah, so these questions that you're asking are so big and manifold. So I'm going to try to try to answer them as best I can. Yeah, so we are actually not really concerned with the medicinal or the, the food properties. Where we're coming from with this project is from more of a DNA sequencing perspective of let's just see what's out there. And hopefully this type of research would go towards bigger and greater projects with more grant funding in the future. It's kind of a a flyer of a project. Now, I do have my master's degree in biochemistry, and I studied mycomedicinals in when I was in grad school. And I personally, you know, believe that food is medicine. And I believe in the power of nutraceuticals like mushrooms. This is another extremely hotly debated topic, but we're not really coming at this project from the perspective of, oh, let's turn over the the medicinal mushrooms industry or the uh, the nutraceuticals or the, the food industry. We kind of just want to see what are we eating? Like what types of products on the shelves out there are consumers really consuming from a 
species perspective. So when you get, you know, a bunch of dried porcini in the grocery store, what mushrooms are those? First of all, porcini is a common name that could be any of several species of boletus. Sure. But, uh, you know, that we were looking at these studies and none done in North America, but one, one was done in Italy on porcini and they saw different species just in the same packaging. Excellent. Yeah. So we, we're just interested in interrogating the species diversity and seeing if the labels that on these consumer products are valid with the species name or the common name. All right. We're going to get into a little bit more of that when we come back from this break but first before we go to the break how can folks get involved how can people contribute and become a collaborator with you yeah we don't really have a way to like have people i mean you could donate money to the north american mycological association and say in the note that it's for the dna sequencing committee but other than that, oh, okay. um, we're not like really necessarily accepting money for the project. We're kind of bootstrapping it ourselves because we just want the data. Okay, very good. We're going to come back with Mandy Clark from Mycena. But first, we're going to take a break. Hear from our wonderful sponsors, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. In the morning, I always pour a cup of coffee and grab a banana. Before Equifruit, I never thought twice about how my banana was farmed. And now that I'm a banana badass, I care about fair trade, which ensures fair pay, gender equity, and safe working conditions. This is why Equifruit is the only banana you should buy. I love grapes. Whoa, what's this? Dude, that's a snack with impact. Wait, what? You know, Sunrays. They are the snack with impact. All their grapes and mandarins are certified, sustainably grown, so you know the planet and people are being taken care of. And they make a donation to save the children with every package packed so kids can thrive around the world. No way. So every time I have Sunray's grape or mandarin, I'm making the world a better place? <laughs> Duh. That's why they call it the snack with impact. Everyone, we have an APP out on a buck-naked onion. This onion is produced by Owyhee Produce, so we have to be on the lookout. Whether you're a retailer, food service distributor, or a wholesaler, this onion is whole, it's hearted, and it's buck-naked, everyone. To all you civilians out there, please, let's catch this buck-naked onion. Folks, we're shrooming on a Friday morning or Friday afternoon, whatever time of the day you may be listening, with Mandy Quark from Mycena, Mycena LLC. And Mandy, your website has some of the most gorgeous pictures of, do I say fungi or do I say mushrooms or both on, I mean, just beautiful, beautiful photography. Thank you so much. We were discussing a little bit before the break, and I want to get into this more about more common commercial mushrooms that you would find in grocery stores, and then common, less commercial, but common that you would find at farmer's markets and specialty produce markets as well, where folks can 
send in samples and you will do a study on the DNA of that. Explain a little bit more of that and how that works, what it is and how it works and how folks can get involved. Sure. So we're calling this the commercial mycoblitz. So a mycoblitz is a project where mushrooms are collected over the course of a short period of time, in this case, one week. And we're just going to try to go full out with as many people that want to participate as possible, can send in any sort of mushroom or fungal product from any grocery stores, farmer's market, apothecary, herbalist, even an online retailer or a head shop, because there are some, you know, sort of like powdered species of mushrooms that are being sold commercially. Oh, so that can be sent in too then? Correct. Yeah. So it's a full-on commercially available mushroom product mycoblitz. But we don't want people pulling the sliced mushrooms off their pizza to send in to you. Correct. Right. Yeah. Right. So we're actually excluding, we're excluding a few mushrooms from the study. So those would be button mushrooms, cremini or portobello mushrooms. Those are all just one species. They're called agaricus bisporus. So none of those, those are all mainly produced by just a few vendors in the country. And they're all the same thing. And we, we just don't really want those. They're not really interesting to us. We're also excluding shiitake mushrooms, which are another crowd favorite mushrooms. But unless it's wild, found in the wild, we don't really want shiitake because we're just not really interested in that. And we're the third thing that we're excluding is magic mushrooms. So any mushroom products containing the federally controlled substances, psilocybin or psilocin. The reason that we don't want those is because obviously we don't want people mailing those and we don't want people getting in trouble for, yeah, well, you know, the legalities of all that. Magic mushrooms, yeah. Shipping and tripping. So is this mainly foraged mushrooms? You mentioned porcinis at the top of the program. There's a lot of chanterelles right now because we've had massive rains. So let me ask you this. If someone was to send you in some mushrooms because of the rains, a lot of those are going to be, we used to call them, well, I'm not going to say the word on on the program, but some guys would try and bring me in very waterlogged chanterelles, which I couldn't sell. Do you take that into account too, or just they've, They've got these species that they bought in the stores. Like we've got uh, stores here in, in Berkeley, both Monterey Market and Berkeley Bowl that sell really some just really bizarre mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, so of course we take that into account. We cannot be having people send us wet and soggy mushrooms. So part of the protocol is for people to dry these mushrooms out on a dehydrator. Alternatively, if you don't have a dehydrator and you live somewhere where you get some sun, you can just pop them on the dashboard of your car and have them dry oh, out that way. Cool. Yeah, everyone should probably have a little, small, little, you know, 20 or $40 dehydrator though. Um, it's great for getting into mushrooms, making mushroom jerky and all sorts of really good, delicious, edible stuff like that. And it's also a great way to save your mushrooms if you can't eat them all at once. Well, that's great. Okay, so they don't lose anything when you dry them. Like these mat Matsutang mushrooms that I picked up at Monterey Market, $29 a pound. They're really cool looking, great flavor. But you say yeah, so dry them out as much as you can. 
before they ship them. Yeah, so we actually ask that they, and this is the protocol, but we ask that they be cracker dry. So they have to be very dry because otherwise oh, we're okay. going to be getting bags of mushrooms that are moldy by the time they get to us and get opened. And they stink too. Yes. Exactly. So we are not trying to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, but it's pretty easy to dry your mushrooms out. It's really not difficult. And a lot of people might have stuff that they foraged throughout the year because, you know, right here and now where we are in the Bay Area, this is not the norm for North America. Most of North America during the time of this commercial mycoblitz, they are going to be just sending packaged mushrooms that are already dried from the grocery store or ones that are, you know, packaged that are not wild because it's not mushroom season in most of North America in February. So let me ask you a question then. As you test these mushrooms, as you do your research on them, what is it that you're looking for in the commercial mushrooms? Sure. So we just want to try to put an identification to them all. So we do this through a special kind of method of DNA sequencing called DNA barcoding, where we look at just a small part of the, the genome. And that kind of shows us a snapshot of this specific part of the genome called the ITS sequence that can be used in order to identify the mushrooms to species. So we're really just looking for species identification. ITS meaning? Internal transcribed spacer region. So yeah, it's just this this weird space of DNA between these subunits of RNA. So that doesn't really mean a lot to anyone. And it just happens to be a part of the genome that's highly variable. So what that means that in different species, the variability is so high that you can kind of use it to pinpoint, this is chicken of the woods. And this is the exact species of chicken of the woods. Ah, By comparing it to a reference database where we have all sorts of different species of Latiporus, for instance, which is the genus of chicken of the woods. Oh, that's very exciting. Well, at least to me it is. Because like you said, within a species, there's different species or different varieties. Just like produce items, there's different varieties within the varieties. Might benefit some commercial growers at some point, too, as well. Oh, this is why this one grows better than this one, and we can produce this one faster and quicker, or whatever the deal is, some down the road, but a lot of other information as well. Wow, that's fantastic, Mandy. You've definitely educated me, that's for sure. And folks out there, I'm sure you've definitely learned something about fungi or fungi and mushrooms that you didn't know. Folks, you can go to Mycena LLC, and I'm sure you're on all the social medias. Is that correct, Mandy? Yeah, so we just started this really cool project, and it's a platform for mycology content. And it's Mycena Media on all social platforms. So you just search Mycena Media on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. You know, we're, we're pretty much everywhere. And we can show you some more cool mycology content that is outside of the context of this one specific project. Fantastic. Mandy Quark, Mycena.llc, molecular mycologist. Thank you 
for joining me today on Fresh from the Field Fridays. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. All right, folks, be sure to tune in to the Produce Industry Podcast every Monday with Patrick Kelly, as well as the Produce Industry Show on YouTube. And don't forget to check out the Produce Industry app. You've got to have that. Download that now on your smartphone, on your watch, on your tablet, on your wherever else you can download. Who knows? Maybe you can download it to a mushroom one of these days. And also check out the History of Produce series with John Papp and the Global Fresh series with Juanita Gallo. And folks, don't forget to tune into my YouTube and Rumble channels called Dan the Produce Man, and all my social media can be found at DanTheProduceMan.com. Before we go, Mandy has a quick little mushroom trivia bit. Okay, so you can make all your botanist friends jealous as a molecular mycologist by letting them know that there is probably about somewhere between 3 and 10 million species of fungi on earth as opposed to 600,000 species of plants and then also very interestingly about 590,000 of those 600,000 species of plants have been described so you know greater than 95% so it's, it'd be really hard for a botanist to go out there and describe a new species of plant but as of right now only a few hundred thousand fungi out of the somewhere between three and 10 million fungi have been formally described. So that's really only between one and 3% of fungi. So that's why we're doing this. That's why we're out there collecting fungi to describe new species. Wow, that's amazing, folks. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, folks, until next week, this is Dan the Produce Man reminding you that it's always best when you get it fresh. You've been listening to Fresh from the Field Fridays with Dan, the Produce Man. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast and at Dan, the Produce Man. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.